Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week we're going to be talking about kind of a darker topic, but one that Denise and I feel is really important to kind of highlight and make note of and get out there. It's called the dark empath. And this is a new term for me. Is it new for you, Denise? It is. And I think there's a fine line between some of our uh, understandings of narcissism and some of the things we're going to talk about today. Yeah, definitely a fine line. So all of this basically started because of new research that has come out of the UK. They were looking at the dark triad, which I had not really thought of this way, but apparently it's very common for people in the psychology community. The dark triad is comprised of narcissism, which, as you guys know, is people who have an exaggerated sense of entitlement, superiority, or grandiosity. Machiavellianism, which is exploitation and manipulation of others. And psychopathy, which is cynicism, callousness, and thrill-seeking. Now, all these personality types have the same thing in common. They're high in dark traits, and they're low in empathy. But this new research done in the UK is revealing that some people can have empathy and one of these personality disorders. And that's what's called the dark empath. Not only are they high in dark traits, but they're also high in empathy. Some psychologists are saying this is the worst kind of personality trait. Many who have studied this personality type kind of resist the use of the word empath in this way. Because to be a true empath means you feel deeply for others and want to help and heal the world around you. Whereas a dark empath is the exact opposite. They appear to care when really they are just manipulating you to take advantage. A dark empath will mirror your emotions and responses to draw you in. Because basically what I found in my research is that psychologists say there are two types of empathy, affective and cognitive. Affective empathy is when you feel deeply for others in a natural, innate way. But cognitive empathy is a more learned type of behavior where you study and learn the right way to respond to people and situations. So an effective empath might say, I feel sad when I see you cry. Whereas cognitive empathy says, I can tell you are sad. What's wrong? Cognitive empathy is being able to see things from someone else's perspective. Now, I think all of us do both of these in some way, right, Denise? Like, sometimes you might look at someone freaking out over what you might think is a minor issue, and you know they're sad, so you feel sad with them, but it's not the same as emoting along with them. Exactly. Or cognitive empathy could be if someone you know cooks you a meal and you think it's not the best meal but you know they worked hard on it you're going to say this is wonderful thank you so much loved this meal that's a, a really good way to put it there is also some research that will say be careful with this term because it can all of a sudden ever you're going to start you know when we did the narcissism series and then we we got a whole barrage of emails and comments of you know, it, it, when you start to learn about something more, it seems to become more present in your field of vision. And I think with this dark empath idea, we have to be really careful because we don't want to perpetuate gaslighting. And, and I think that just keep that in the back burner a little bit, no pun intended. If you're dealing with a narcissist, if you're dealing with a dark empath, 
you may fall into that trap of, of owning too much of the whole situation that's not yours to own, because both will have that, they'll come across as kind and thoughtful and and uh, but in a sense, it's always about manipulating and guilt. Yeah, those are their definite tools of choice. Some psychologists think that these dark empaths actually study empathy. They think that they will actually like read books and watch films to learn empathic traits. So basically, a dark empath understands emotions just like a true empath. But instead of using this understanding to help nurture or share loving bonds, the dark empath uses this understanding of others' emotions to control and manipulate and gaslight, like you were saying. Right. And often, again, it will be happy, dynamic, open, kind, and it all will feel so authentic. And that's what's really hard, I think, for true empaths is it feels right. It feels true. And what's flashing in my mind is the people that will meet someone new, they'll start a romantic relationship. It feels right. This is my person. Wow. He, she, they is so kind to me and they get me and they understand. And then bam, that rug is pulled out and people are kind of in shock saying what happened. But I think that could be the epitome of, of being involved with a dark empath is it, you don't, quite get it. It's so veiled. It's so hidden because they know the way you're wired. Right. Exactly. They study that. And you're right. They tend to be very extroverted, agreeable. They're go with the flow types, but they do tend to have neurotic aspects to their personality. But this extroversion makes them extra manipulative because you might look at them and think, well, everyone else seems to like them. Right. And often... They may be leaders who are inspirational, who are involved, who help drive the team towards success. So if someone has that persona, it would be really hard to think of them in negative terms or think, oh, are they manipulating this situation for their own outcome? Exactly. But there are some signs you can look for to pinpoint if there is a dark empath in your life. One of the signs is they tend to have a sarcastic or cruel sense of humor. So they're masters at inciting guilt and shame in those closest to them. They can be self-loathing and tend to be very controlling. They're self-critical and they feel stressed easily. Dark empaths often exhibit effective dissonance. For example, they will get upset when they're around cheerful, happy people and take pleasure in seeing others fail. I agree with you. I think we can all find some of those traits in ourselves because as soon as you said malicious humor, I thought, "Uh oh, I am very cynical at times. So I, I think that that's not looking at all of this with huge magnifying glass and saying, am I a dark empath? Am I not? A it's, it's a quilt. You can't have one block of the quilt and claim that, you know, it's a whole mishmash of all of this, but you're right, Denise. I remember when my kids were in elementary school, we had the hardest time finding shows we could watch together because I just found their Disney shows just, I, I could not watch them. So sometimes we would watch, uh, what's that movie? America's Funniest Video. And mm -hmm. we watched it for a couple of weeks. And finally I sat there and I thought, all we're doing is laughing at people falling down or making mistakes. <laughs> and it felt right. really twisted and cruel. And so we stopped watching it. And ever since then, I've thought about 
all those videos that go viral so often it's of people, you know, messing up. Or you think about those shows like uh, MTV's Punked or uh, even Candid Camera. It, it's all making fun of people. Okay. So do you ever watch those? And I, a lot of times I have to turn them off because I feel so bad for the person or I'll think, oh my God, they must've got hurt so badly. And I think that's a good sign that I'm not on the dark side of the fence. No, definitely. (laughs) But the fact that they can be self-loathing and self-critical, that reminds me of the martyred narcissist, you know, where they, they take everything and it's about them. Like I, I have a neighbor that I recently met in my neighborhood and, and he started dating someone and it's all new and, you know, it's just fun listening to his stories. And this woman he's dating is very, very nice, but she totally forgot about Valentine's day and didn't do anything. And he was like, okay, that's, you know, that's fine. It's, it's no big deal. And she turned it all around and she started crying and was like, I'm such a bad girlfriend. How could I have forgotten that? Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? And so not only did he end up getting jilted on Valentine's Day, but then he ended up consoling her for jilting him on Valentine's Day. Red flag, red flag. flag. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. So you've got to take note of all of these things and see, huh, is there a dark empath in my life? They're really excellent at intuiting what makes you angry or hurt and then using that against you. People who are high in agreeableness exhibit empathy, humility, modesty, and trust, and interpersonal flexibility. Individuals who are low in agreeableness are boastful, arrogant, and distrusting. Oh. Yeah. So Dr. Romani has a good YouTube channel, and she did a whole thing on the dark empath, and she says that these people have just enough empathy to draw people in, but not enough to be authentic. And she says they are truly wolves in sheep clothing. And that's where if you're truly an empath and you're with someone who is kind and talented and and fun and all of these things that we've been talking about. And and I, I truly believe these are people who have those traits. That's not all an act. But if you're getting a reaction of, something doesn't quite feel right, or the kindness is there, but there's always a catch or a disclaimer or a connection that it's not that true coming from the heart kindness. Pay attention to that because I I think, you know, and just to jump back to the the narcissism for a bit, if we've experienced that, we've, we've, or been with a narcissist or had that kind of a person or situation in our lives, we know what emotional abuse feels like. We know what it feels like to be with someone who truly doesn't care about your needs or your feelings, who believes, and you start to believe that you're the constant problem. If I was just fill in the blank. But I think with the dark empath, it will, you might not feel that level, but the same behaviors are happening from a place of seemingly being supportive and kind and understanding of who you are and what's going on. Right. Exactly. Because true empaths can be really hurt by these dark empaths because we Mm -hmm. will rely on our empathy, our true effective empathy to make excuses for the dark empaths, bad behavior. 
We'll try to understand where they're coming from and we'll use anything from their difficult childhood to their annoying boss to excuse their bad behavior, which leaves the real empath very open for abuse by the dark empath. Some empaths are used to being in the role of victim and will use their empathy as a crutch to avoid setting boundaries and walk away from the abusive relationship. Many empaths also fall easily into codependent patterns and will conflate their needs with the dark empaths, leaving them extremely vulnerable. And a question you might want to ask if you feel like there may be someone in your life who is a dark empath, do you feel empowered when you're with this person or are you asking yourself those questions that are fostering self-doubt or self-recrimination? Yes. Are you constantly propping them up to make them feel better? And also ask yourself, how much of a two-way street is this relationship? How much give and take is there? I think that's really important to do. Now, I found this article on Medium by Hogan Tora. I just want to share a part of it written by him as a dark empath, writing what it's like to be a dark empath. Oh, I think that would be really helpful. Okay, so he says, I'm able to get almost any job I want, but never keep it for long. I know what the interviewer wants to hear. I get hired and it lasts for up to six months. There's always some manager that tries to micromanage me and I become insubordinate by not doing it their way. This extends to attracting women. Though I'm the one who breaks it off in romantic relationships, lots of fish in the sea. If I see something I don't like, that's a deal breaker. It's over. Love turns to hate in the blink of an eye with me. I'm fearless. Other people find excuses to tell you why they can't. I say, hold my beer. You will never hear me say, I'd like to, but because I'm a fighter, a hard partying motorcycle riding outlaw. Laws are cattle guards designed to keep the dumb from hurting themselves. I can read body language and am conscious of my own. I'm the best poker player at the table. I don't need to ask what's wrong, I already know. It's estimated, he continues, that dark empaths make up five to 20% of the population. I've met others like me, they're usually men, but I know a few women who seem to have my personality, We know we can't hang out regularly because we're twice as toxic together. We're still friends on Facebook, though. I'm the guy that doesn't go. I'm the guy that goes to check on the 85-year-old neighbor nobody's seen in three days. She didn't tell anyone she was going out of town. No answer at the door. Would I mind taking a look? Sure. And I find out she's dead. And I wonder, what's in the fridge? Oh, my. I know. Isn't that creepy? And he finishes his article by saying, dark empaths are psychopaths with a conscious. So my question, and I didn't find this in anything that I read, is, you know how I feel like we all come with some level of empathy as little kids. Little kids are little sponges, uh, little people coming onto the planet to varying degrees. I, I just, I believe that. I think some of us are more naturally empathic, but We all come with a clean slate. I wonder if a dark empath is more fostered because it seems like a lot of that are learned behaviors. There, you know, what was there a trigger or I'm going back to my behaviors training again. Was there a trigger or catalyst to learn how to manipulate and control and guilt and get their needs met on some level? out of 
uh, survival, out of modeling, out of environment. I just, I, it's hard. I, I'm having a hard time seeing that if you really have those empathic tendencies, how could you, it's all about control. This whole thing is about control and manipulation, which most empaths will try to avoid if they're, if they can. I wonder that too. And it probably goes back to the nature nurture thing, because if you asked me if I was born an empath, I I think I would say yes. Like, I, I think I came in this way. And I think part of being an empath is being intuitive. And I wonder if you can be born with these empathic intuitive skills and then learn to foster them for good or for negative reasons. It reminds me when we had Dr. Christian Northrup on the show with her book, Energy Vampires, and she said that all of these energy vampires have what she calls malignant intuition. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a dark empath where they intuitively know your buttons and then push the heck out of them for fun or manipulation or control. So another thing I'm considering is, have you ever known someone who all the traits we're talking about with people. So manipulative, controlling, uh, puppet strings, how can I get my needs met kind of attitude. But with animals, they're a completely different person. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> I, I didn't know that about Hitler. He loved dogs. He was so good and kind to his dogs. Huh. Is that what you were? Is that what you were asking? Like, can some of them be mean with people and nice with animals? Well, I, I've always—you've heard me say this hundreds of times—that um, you know how pay attention to how little kids, animals, and old people react to someone because they have a clear judge of character, and it—they're just—it's a really good thing, and that comes up a lot in readings for me. I'll be talking to someone in spirit, and I'll get that nudge of little kids, animals, and old people would love this person because that's their character. That's their energy. And I've known people who could fall into this dark empathy category, but had such a bond with animals, like incredible bond with animals. So I wonder if there's a a vulnerability at some point that triggers this level of dark empathy being the way to survive or the way to navigate the world could be i think it's more malicious than that to be honest though whitey bulger comes to mind the head of the irish mob Mm -hmm. um he was caught because of his love of animals i can't remember the details but i think the fbi knew he loved cats and tracked it was a specific type of gum he chew and chewed and then something with his cat's that he and his girlfriend rescued. But anyway, there are many, many stories of true psychopaths who have a love for animals. What it makes me think about though, Denise, is you will often hear people talk about being raised by a sociopathic, borderline, narcissistic, whatever parent. And they'll say, you know, I was daddy's little girl until I turned 10, or my mom and I got along great until I hit the teen years. And I think about that a lot because I think kids, little, little kids, you know, like under five are very easily controlled. They don't Mm -hmm. ask questions. They don't look at what you're doing and say, why are you doing that? Why did you say this? They just go along. 
And that's how animals are too. They never question us. They never hold up a mirror in front of us. And so I wonder if the reason why dark empaths can be very kind to animals is the same reason why some of them can be very kind to kids because they aren't challenging their status quo. They aren't challenging the illusion that they have created so carefully. That makes a lot of sense. It also is, uh, I, as you were speaking, I was thinking of, I've worked a lot in resident, well, in prior life, <laughs> I worked a lot in residential treatment, uh, high need facilities, um, psychiatric units for um, children with emotional issues, all those kind of things. And often they would have an incredible connection with a pet, an animal. Uh, so I think that's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I do too. I, I really think it's that aspect of control. It's mm -hmm. easy to control an animal. It's easy to control a small child. But once that child gets older and starts to see things and ask questions and speak back a little bit and challenge the dark empath, I think that's when everything changes. And I think so, really a dark empath is all about manipulation and control. And I think from, because when, whenever we do shows like this, I always start to think about different people in my life over the course of my life. And you can usually find someone that fits what we're talking about. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do the same thing. It's like, oh boy, that really fits so-and-so in my life. And as I was doing the research and reading this stuff, I really identified someone significant in my life from, from uh, when I was much younger and I thought about it, but it hurt the same as dealing with a narcissist because as an empath, I trusted, I believed, I accepted what they were saying as truth and thought that they really did have my best interest at heart or they did see me for who I was. But when you look at it in retrospect and you realize it was all too, there was always the guilt bag involved. There was always the manipulation. There was always, if you do this, then I'll do that kind of a reaction. And I think those are some things to really look at before we tap a label on anybody or, or a diagnosis or whatever the hell we want to call it is how did you personally feel when you reacted with this person? Because I think that's our truest benchmark. Yeah, I do too. And I think recognizing the dark empath is probably the trickiest one though, because I always think with some of the other dark triads, like the uh, sociopath or psychopath, it's really easy because once you know their method and you know that they love bomb you and they will push you into a committed, you know, strong relationship within six months because they can't keep up that facade for long and they know it. So they've got to love bomb you for about six months and then they can drop the, the charade and, and show you who their true colors. But a dark empath seems as though they can keep up this facade for a really long time. It would be interesting. The person that you read that said, I'm a dark empath and this is what I do. How many people would want to look at the mirror in the mirror and say that about themselves? They might know they're doing it, but they don't want anyone else to know they're doing it. Well, I think I thought the same thing. But then I looked at the research that they had done at this university in England. And I looked at the questions that they asked. And 9%, if I remember right, answered yes to some horrible questions. Like, I enjoy seeing others fail. Or, 
I get a kick when I see someone trip and fall, or um, I get angry when everyone around me is happy. And I was looking at that going, who the hell would say yes to those questions? <laughs> Apparently they're out there. And, but I do think, especially if you're feeling vulnerable, if you're feeling um, like you really want this person to be who they seem to be, is maybe take a step back and make sure, like I, I'm still a big believer in reconnect with your own inner knowing and light and see, is this, am I owning more than my part? Am I feeling cherished? Am I feeling empowered? Because I think part of this shift we're all going through right now is getting closer to identifying our own strengths, weaknesses, you know, whatever it might be, but part of is honoring our own light so that we can reflect that. Have you been feeling the same? Yes, for sure. For sure. I just feel kind of, I don't know, empowered or excited when I'm able to learn about these negative people because since I've started studying this phenomenon, it's so easy to recognize them in my life. Mm -hmm. And there's not many of them. This isn't like a huge percentage of the population. So that's a good thing. But once you learn their their signs, it's it just becomes like, I don't know, a, a key. Like you're unmasking them and going, aha, I see you for what you are. And that alone is very empowering and helps us shine our light so much brighter. Yeah, this might be the the altruistic side, but... I think if you're truly with someone who has a narcissistic personality, that's who they are to the core. If someone is a dark empath, always the eternal optimist here, is there a glimmer of that person in there that it's not as much of a line in the sand? Because I can think I what what is kind of rolling around in my head right now is I can see a lot of people staying in relationship with a dark empath because so much of it does feel normal and right. And they, they might not even be aware that these things are happening or they might be willing to say, well, yeah, sometimes I feel guilty or sometimes he or she, or they do this, but it's most of the time, such a nice person, such a great person, you know? And so I, I it's, it could be really confusing to be involved with someone with these traits. Yeah, I definitely think it could be confusing. That's the manipulation. And what I think you have to do at the end of the day is be so honest, not only with yourself in this relationship, but with yourself as a, as a separate entity, you know, and look at, okay, what is this relationship giving me besides this illusion of love? Is it giving me safety, security, comfort? Is it providing me with, uh, I don't know, health benefits, an extra paycheck? I mean, get really honest because I think people stay in these dark empath relationships way longer for reasons that have a lot more to do than love. I think that fits for a lot of relationships in general. Well, yeah, I do too. But um, these if you're in a relationship with a dark empath, they're so manipulative. Like if you've studied domestic abuse cases, you know, I remember studying this in college and 
I, you know, <laughs> back then I was like, why would anyone stay in one of those relationships? What are they thinking? And I remember the teacher said, look, the abuser isn't the abuser all the time mm-hmm. or else they would leave. And so I think sometimes if you're in a difficult relationship, you do get manipulated because sometimes they're so nice and then they apologize and then the cycle starts all over again. But this dark empathy to me, Denise, it seems way more subtle than that. Right. And it builds, it builds true abusive situations, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial. They it's, it's a gradual it comes in gradual increments and, and you're right. It's a very cyclical pattern. I think one of the things to consider is if you're feeling like there's a, a dark empath or person in your life or someone who comes from that perspective, are they that, or are they using these traits because they're such an extreme people pleaser? So just kind of putting that out there as well, that sometimes there can be people who are so, you'll know if you're feeling manipulated or controlled or uh, you feel less around someone that you're not going to feel that with a people pleaser. But again, if you're not being super honest with yourself and who you are and your own motivations, I don't know if you are going to be aware that you're being manipulated. I agree. And and that's why I think it all starts with self-honesty. But okay, so here are some signs of a dark empath I researched. Number one, their kindness feels fake. There's a hollow tone to the emotions and empathy they display. So say, for example, your friend gives you a hug after you share your bad day, but then instantly changes the subject. She did the right thing. She displayed empathy and gave you a hug, but something feels off because instantly the conversation reverts to her. Have you ever had that happen? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can feel it, right? And you might drive away from that cup of coffee and go, wait, what happened there? (laughs) They're excellent at manipulating you and using your needs and emotions to get you to do things for them or to feel a certain way. So how many times have you wanted to do one thing and your partner, your friend, your boss, your coworker wants you to do another thing? And at the end of that debate, discussion, argument, you end up doing it their way. And you walk away going, how did that happen? You can't even trace the dots, connect the dots to figure out how you ended up agreeing to dropping your total idea and going with their idea. That's an example of manipulation. Dark empaths are masters at making you feel guilty. They love that malicious humor, making jokes at other people's expense. And they exploit others through gossip and rumor. So you have to think about your friend who always is that type of person. Like if you don't have anything nice to say about someone sit next to me, ha ha ha. Those types of people, you got to watch out for them. You really, really do. We have a very, on the outside, a very, very nice person in my community. Everyone loves her. She does a ton for charity. She knows everyone, very gregarious, outgoing, charitable. And yet she will spread the most malicious rumors with nothing to back it up. And I've told people for years, 
steer clear. And no one listens to me. And then months later, they'll come to me and go, damn, you were right. But I mean, the rumors she spreads to these are dangerous. The one that bothered me the most as a child of an alcoholic, she walked up to a friend's house and knocked on their door. And it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. And she saw the man on the couch fast asleep. Well, he had recovered from some type of illness that left him with dry mouth. So he constantly has to have a drink in his hand, not of alcohol, just a cup of something Mm -hmm. water. So she took that plus finding him napping at 3 PM, put that together and told everybody he was an alcoholic. Yeah. And I didn't really know this guy, but I, I knew him enough to know I mean, not that I can like spot an alcoholic, but you know, there are signs. And I think when you're raised with an alcoholic, you can spot the signs. There's slurred speech or a slight sway to their walk. They call in sick to work a lot. There's, there's signs. He had none of those. And it, it all finally came out. He's not an alcoholic. He belongs to some religion that's against drinking, but Mm -hmm. still she spread that rumor. That's a sign of a dark empath, I think. Oh, oh, I think very much so. And my blunt, my way of looking at it, what the hell is the point of doing that to someone? But it goes back to wanting the control, wanting the manipulation, wanting to be seen as I, I, that really, really is concerning. And it ties in with things that people will put on social media or they'll judge or they'll, I think it just, it's very, very concerning. Yeah, I definitely think you've got to watch out for people who love gossip, love rumor, who do all the right things. You know, at the office, they might be the one who start the 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 pool of donations for a sick coworker, but then they say something snarky about the sick coworker's spouse, or you know, there's just so many little examples you can think of where they're just manipulating or making you feel guilty for not doing something or doing something that you thought was the right thing. Anyone that just makes you second guess yourself, second guess your actions, your thoughts, your motives. I think we have to consider, is it me or is it them? And sometimes it might be you sometimes, you know, look, we all screw up, but if it's happening again and again and again by the same person, they might be a dark empath. Right. And they may, exhibit anxiety or depression or phobias or emotional ups and downs, which will bring out your natural empathy to say, Oh, look how they're going through so much. Is it genuine or is it not? Because a lot of times it's that puppet string feeling of, you don't see it at first. And then when you look back at it from a different perspective, it's like, Oh my gosh, that was also calculated, which again kind of mirrors the narcissistic personality type. But if you're feeling blamed or if you're feeling uh, that somehow you haven't done enough or your self-esteem is feeling compromised or you're, you're doubting your own empathy, those are all kind of some red flags to think about. Yes, I think so too. Now, I found like a quiz online to determine if you have one of the dark triad traits. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read through some of these. So I think 
if anyone's thinking, gosh, sometimes I do laugh if I see someone trip and fall. Am I a dark empath? (laughs) (laughs) I think you'll be able to hear these and go, no. All right. So these are signs of narcissism. People see me as a natural leader. I have a unique talent for persuading people. Group activities are dull without me. I know that I'm special because people keep telling me so. I have some exceptional qualities. I'm likely to become a future star in some area. I like to show off every now and then. Now, Denise, I think it's very clear you and I could say no to those. I had my hand ready, like I was going to put up a finger when I hit them so I could count. I didn't get any. Okay, so here are signs of Machiavellianism. It's not wise to let people know your secrets. Whatever it takes, you must get the important people on your side. Avoid direct conflict with others because they may be useful in the future. Keep a low profile if you want to get your way. Manipulating the situation takes planning. Flattery is a good way to get people on your side. I love it when a tricky plan succeeds. So what was the first one again? It's not wise to let people know your secrets. So that could get into trust issues. So I'd have to give myself a half a finger on that one. Well, here's my thing on secrets, Denise. Some secrets, I guess, are good. Like um, I buy you a gift in November and I want to keep it a secret until December 25th. Other Mm -hmm. than that, what secret is good to keep? I just think anything that hides in the dark is never good. Unless you've been in a situation where you've been in an abusive relationship to the point where you were either, and I I use this word with with caution, were either programmed or worn down, or you get into that whole dysfunctional cycle of being isolated, being kept away from people, being, so you you learn to keep it all to yourself. I think that there's there's a line there. I think that you know we have to take our secrets and re-empower them with our own light and our own story of that secret. Right. And finding people that are safe enough to do that with, which if you if we're talking about dark empaths, may draw that out of you and then you're left very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what was the third one? Uh, avoid direct conflict with others because oh. they may be useful in the future. Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. No. But the um, what was the third category? Oh, okay. So then we have psychopathy. People often say I'm out of control. I tend to fight against authorities and their rules. I've been in more fights than most people of my age and gender. I tend to dive in and ask questions later. I've been in trouble with the law. I sometimes get into dangerous situations. People who mess with me always regret it. I didn't get any. No, definitely not. Oh, and then there's a fourth one that they're that they've added called sadism. Watching a fist fight excites me. I enjoy violent films and video games. It's funny when idiots fall flat on their face. I enjoy watching violent sports. Some people deserve to suffer. Just for kicks, I've said mean things on social media. I know how to hurt someone with words alone. I have a physical reaction to you reading those, like yeah, a, a, me too. A, a discomfort, a nausea, a, like physically that just, ugh. I know. 
I know. And it makes me think though, because I've gotten into like, especially when I was younger, now I'm like, oh, whatever. But I've gotten into fights with people over like boxing. I know it's a sport, but I don't like to watch it. Um, the MMA, I know it's a sport. I know it's a talent to be able to do that. But to sit there and watch it and cheer it on as the blood hits the mat, I cannot do it. Hunters, I know hunting is a is a thing. I know it's important for many, many people. But the thought of like looking at a deer and no. So I've gotten into a lot of fights with, I guess, sadist. I don't know. I, I wouldn't call like boxers and hunters sadist. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying people who are just, I mean, haven't you known people who only play violent video games? They love to watch violent films. They love to clean their guns with their oil and then go out and kill a bunch of deer. They love to watch boxing after hour after hour and and they're trolls on social media. I mean, there are people out there like that. I've never thought to call them sadist. I've just called them no. assholes. Right. And and I think from I live in a rural state where a lot of people hunt. I know people who hunt. And I think that the difference with that is are you honoring the animal? And is it sustenance? Is, are, you, are you just going out and poaching deer or are you going to put a deer in the freezer to feed your family and you're doing it with respect and dignity? I mean, there is, There's personally, I can't, I can't do it. I, I, I'm not wired that way, but I, I understand it's that fine line yet again. But if people are getting pleasure out of inflicting pain or watching pain be inflicted, I'd say that's a big ass red flag. I do too. And I do, I do not mean to disparage hunters because oh, I, no. I think you're right. I do think there's a legitimate reason for it. And you know, the calling of the herd and I, I get all of that on an intellectual level, but I remember reading a newspaper article. There's a hunting club outside my town and there's a tradition when the first person joins the club and gets their first kill, I guess they, mm-hmm. call, they anoint them with, the blood of the animal on their face. And I oh just my. thought that was really awful. I, it just really disturbed me. When I lived out West, I used to uh, fly fish. And then it got to the point where I couldn't, I mean, I could get that. And I used to work on my father's lobster boat and I could get that. But now I, I don't, I don't have it. I can't do that anymore. I don't choose to. I mean, I've raised animals for meat before, and I'm not saying that to upset anyone, but it was just more of the lifestyle of being self-sufficient of you would raise chickens, you would do those things, but it was with honor and and respect and dignity. Right. And there is a difference. So Mm -hmm. I just want to make that very clear. So if you do see something violent, do you have to turn your head automatically? I do. And that's why it's you know, I'm I'm such a hypocrite with all of this though, because I eat meat and I don't want to go out and kill the meat, but I eat I don't eat a lot of meat. I probably eat meat once a month, but to me that makes me a hypocrite. Um, I cannot watch violent things on TV, and yet I love a cozy murder mystery. You hmm. know, where like like I love my little British shows where they you don't really see the dead body. <laughs> You're just following how the detective catches the criminal. That I can handle. But if there's any, especially like an American TV where they have to show it all, I can't watch that. 
I get that though, because I used to love to read Stephen King, especially when I lived in other parts of the country, because so many of his stories are based in Maine. So his descriptions of places in Maine, and it was just, if I was homesick and I was reading Stephen King, but I can't watch it. I can't yeah. watch a movie, but I can read it. Isn't that right. odd? No, I know. I get it. And I think for some of us, well, I shouldn't say some of us, for me, a lot of reading about this darker stuff and and you know watching murder mysteries on TV or reading about them to me it's all about trying to get over my shock of mean people mhm that's been a problem for a lot of my life where i'm just shocked you know every day every moment we have a choice to be mean or to be kind and every time people choose to be mean i'm it's like a gut punch. I just don't understand it. Why? Why would you choose to be mean? When people leave mean comments, why would you take time out of your day to be so mean? It just really confuses me. And so sometimes studying and researching all of this, it helps me understand like, oh, okay, that's not necessarily mean. That's just constructive criticism. But oh, that over there, that's mean. And so I, I felt like I've always had to learn it study it. Right. Very good points. So I, I think one of the things to consider is going back to what Samantha mentioned at the beginning, cognitive empathy is being able to see things from another point of view, whereas affective empathy is the capacity to feel it, to feel that emotion someone's going through. And I think as natural empaths, we may exhibit both but we're going to have more of a strength with the truly feeling it rather than trying to control someone else's emotions or the outcome of a situation through false empathy, which I think equates more with that dark empathic style. But trust your heart. I truly believe trust your heart is the key in this. Yeah, I do too. Trust your heart. Trust your feelings. Our feelings never lie. And if you get a sense when you're around someone that something is off or just not right, trust that. And that is truly your best protection against these dark empaths. It's very, very new research. And so I'm sure we will be learning a lot more about this personality type. But I think, you know, forewarned is forearmed. And I think to be cognizant of these types of people that are out there, even though it's a very small percentage I still think, especially for us empaths, it's important to be made aware of this so that we can protect ourselves and stay true to the light that we're trying to shine every day. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you found this informative and, and maybe a little enjoyable too. We hope you have a great week. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.